All right, guys, welcome to the Property Profits podcast. I've got a very special guest on the show. So if you're like her, and this may sound like a familiar story, COVID shows up and throws your life upside down and you have to figure out, what am I going to do now? And for a lot of people, they started looking for other ways to make money in this economy. And my very special guest today, Jessica Turner, figured that out. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. So you're coming in from Fall River, Mass. And, you know, we were talking a little bit before the call about how you got started. Let people know you're a bit of a house hacker. And for people out there, maybe let them know a little bit about that strategy, where you got started. Yeah, definitely. So house hacking, basically, you purchase a multifamily and you live in one of the units. And it allows you the opportunity to kind of decrease your mortgage by having those other two units pay for it, while you either get to pay very little in rent for the remainder of the mortgage, or sometimes in the best case scenario, you get to live rent free. Yeah, or maybe even have a few hundred dollars to... uh offset that furnace that's making a little bit of extra yes. noise that you're going to have to replace. So um, since then, you've done a, a, a couple of deals, but let's let's hold on that for a second and tell me why real estate? So it actually wasn't something that I was super interested in for a while. Um, I grew up in a construction family, so the architectural side of it was always very appealing. But until I met my partner when I started in college, he was really the one that kind of sparked it as an interest in me and kind of decided like he wanted to buy multifamilies and basically share the benefit with me. And I said, you know what, that's a great opportunity. It doesn't make sense for, you know, two people to buy this big $500,000 house and literally be house poor for the rest of our twenties. Yeah. A lot of people uh, look at the house as an investment, but in sometimes your main house can be a little bit of a liability. So you've been house hacking how many uh, how many properties so far have you been in and out of? So this will be our fourth. So four over three years, two years? Since 2019. Okay. So you're doing about yeah. one a year. You're, you're yeah. trying to max out how long you're into it for a year. And so for the people at home who aren't maybe necessarily um, educated or, or in the know about what house hacking can do for you, tell us a little bit about the success you've been able to uh, accomplish so far with this house hacking strategy? Yeah, it's really quite fascinating because like being involved in the real estate side of things too, it's you are able to kind of go into these properties and see like, okay, this just needs a little bit of cleaning. And most people shy away from those properties, but I was basically able to purchase my first property with less than I paid for my used car. And understanding that it took that little amount of money to get into a property and just basically maintaining it for that course of, I think I held it for 18 months was the maximum. And the market was doing well in 2021. So I sold that property, made over six figures in that sale, took that, rolled it into another property. And now finishing the refinance on that with the hard money. So there's so many things that can spiral from this, but ultimately I was able to live practically rent-free in the first one for 18 months mm -hmm. and then slowly pay down the mortgage and sell it for over a six figure profit, which was shocking. <laughs> so once I saw how easy it was to kind of get through it and the different steps we took to get to that point, it was like, okay, well, let's just rinse and repeat and keep going. Yeah. And then people, I guess you got the bug now. You've got it, uh, yes. <laughs> the real estate bug. I don't know if I should congratulate you or welcome you to the uh, real estate <laughs> anonymous, but it's good. You know, real estate's a, a great tool for, for building wealth and 
Um, in today's economy, house hacking is becoming super common. Um, before we jump to the middle here, what what would you say to people at home would be a good first step if they're thinking about house hacking? I'd say make sure that you work with someone who's an agent who owns property too. If you know you just kind of go to anybody that has a real estate license, they, they might be a great person and they might do great in sales. But when it comes to the nitty gritty of multifamily sales, there's a lot of small nuances. And you want to make sure because this is an investment that you're checking all your boxes and you're not getting into something like you mentioned, where you have a boiler go and you're stuck there with an $8,000 bill and no way to pay it. Mm -hmm. Now, um, since you got started, have you been, I guess, becoming more bold in the size of the renovations that you're taking on because you'd mentioned <laughs> yeah. that you you only like oh let's do a paint job that's great but um sometimes people start looking at it like oh i could change the kitchen and i could do the bathroom so tell us about yeah. that process a little bit since since you got started and kind of the project you're in now for sure so basically that first property that i took i just needed a paint job and a deep cleaning i kid you not i thought i needed all new windows i took a lysol wipe i wiped it and i said oh there's a completely good vinyl window under here. This is fine. But that profit I took from that specific property, I actually bought almost a fully gutted three family and basically rebuilt the entire thing. I restructured it from, it used to be a five unit and now it's a beautiful three unit. And I was able to kind of work. And that's what I mean by with networking and building your connections. I worked closely with our city's building department, brought them in and said, this is what I want to do. Can I do it? And does it make sense? And they said, yeah, you know, absolutely. We can work with you on this. Let's make it happen. She's going to mm -hmm. do it the right way. She's going to pull her permit. She's going to do everything, you know, by the book. So the numbers made sense when we pulled it. So I pulled the trigger. Yeah. So uh, some people get a little bit afraid of the, the permit process. Um, any pro tips for people who are looking at these gutted properties and going too big for me, too hard for me, I'm scared. Because usually fear is a composition of just not knowing. So how can you maybe help the people at home to kind of get over that hurdle and say, it's not too bad. For sure. I mean, everything's a calculated risk, right? So there is a possibility that it could go upside down on you and it could be a horrible situation. <laughs> but realistically, like as long as you're upfront and honest, most building departments are easy to work with. If you go in there and you say, hey, listen, this is what I'd like to do. Now, I come from a construction background with my family, my partner's a plumber. So for me, it's easy to kind of look at a floor plan and say, I'm going to move this wall. I'm going to move that wall plumbing stacked, we can add an extra bathroom here. So I went to the building department with plans. And by that, they weren't like professionally architectural plans. I drew them up on a basically like MS Word, like print. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so, MS Paint, yeah. Yeah, paint. So basically I just, it looked more professional than coming there with a paper drawing. And I said, this is what I wanna do. It's very simple and I'm gonna create three units and it's gonna be more housing for the city, which is what we're lacking. And so when it came down to getting the contractors involved, it's all about how many people you work with, right? So you get your three quotes together, you find the most reasonable person who's going to give you the best value. And that's not the cheapest. So you can easily go with the cheapest, but that's not usually where you want to save your money on. So you can save money on finishes, you can save money on paint choices, trim, like the little stuff, but the quality of work and the people you choose to work with isn't where you want to skimp. Yeah. And it could end up dragging out and you know, the there's a quote says, if you think a professional is expensive, hire an amateur and see how much it costs you, right? So definitely, I, I would agree to do, don't skimp on the contracting. Now, you mentioned your family's been involved with that. Um, are they helping you out with these deals? Are they swinging a hammer? Are you in there swinging a hammer? <laughs> 
Yeah, so I am definitely in there uh, swinging a hammer. So my family is actually back in New Jersey. So Mm -hmm. I would call my dad every once in a while and say, hey, I'm thinking about doing this. Have you or if there's an issue that came up, like we actually ended up with seven rotted floor joists that were cut all the way through. And when it was discovered, it was like, oh, crap, like what what, we didn't plan for this. Like, what do you do? It's well, you fix it, you get it done. So Mm -hmm. it kind of had to change our floor plan a little bit from what we were anticipating, but it ended up helping us in the long run. So you kind of just have to take those, you know, hits as you take them and move forward with it. Um, So it definitely took more out of our framing budget than we anticipated, but we worked in a 10% buffer too. So we were, you know, able to kind of take that and we stayed on budget with other tasks, which was great. And then as far as me swinging a hammer, it's more of like a drill. So um, it was kind of a, a big thing too, you'll learn is when you get into these projects, you get super excited for them, right? But sometimes your contractors aren't as excited. So if a contractor says, Hey, you know, I can get it done in a week. It's like, okay, but like, when is that week going to happen? Like, it doesn't always happen Monday to Friday. Yeah. I can get it done in a week (laughs) in November. It's like, okay, well, I really need it to be this week. So how do you navigate that? So it's, it's a lot of learning happened with this last gutted project. So it's about having more kind of streamlined and written agreements. So it's, hey, you know, you guys are going to be framing. When are you starting the framing and when do you anticipate being done? Can we get it done by this date? Is there any type of incentive to get it done by this date? And then understanding, I think the biggest thing for me was like those gap days. So 4th of July, we had, um, what was it this year? I think it was like a Monday. And so we had painters coming on Tuesday and somebody forgot the bathroom. Like they completely forgot to sheetrock this one bathroom wall. Mm-hmm. So it's like 90 degrees here in, in Massachusetts and it's 4th of July. And we were about to go out of the jet skis in the afternoon and it's six o'clock in the morning and I'm hanging sheets of sheetrock, cutting out holes for plumbing pipes. And mm-hmm. I'm just like, okay, well, you know what? Somebody has got to get it done. So at this point it's handy enough to kind of step in where you need to and kind of handle things to keep things on track. Yeah. If there's nobody to do it, guess who's doing it? It's us. Yep. We got to do it. So, um, you know, now that you're becoming more accustomed, is house hacking the only direction you're heading in? Or have you started thinking about possibly doing properties that you're not living in? Where's your, you know, where are you at today? Yeah. So right now we just got a flip under contract. So that's a nice little single family on the Northern end of the city. And we're using hard money for that. We used hard money for this um, gut project as well. So I rolled over funds from selling the property, but then funded the rest of it with hard money. So I've built that relationship where, you know, we've been doing well, you make your payments on time, if not early. So you build that good relationship with that lender. And then now we can call them for this flip and say, Hey, we need 300,000 to go into this. You know, can we do same terms as last time? And basically have that relationship, you know, yeah, she pays on time. She's sometimes in advance. She's always organized. If you can get your lender to say that about you, then you'll have no problem getting funding for the next one. And you kind of just keep rolling things and moving on to the the next project. So just for the people um, listening along, hard money, tell tell people what that is. I know what it is. You have now um, really realized (laughs) what it is, but explain it because I think a lot of people don't, don't know that there's this type of funding out there. So for the people at home, what is hard money? Yeah, so hard money and private money are basically not bank um, funds. So it's not a typical mortgage. It's in my instance, I work with two private lenders, which are individuals, uh, both business owners that have a lot of cash on hand, and they would rather put it to use by giving it to me to use in a property where I pay them a monthly 
like premium, like an interest rate, mm-hmm. and they get a return every month. And at the end of our project, they get their cash back. But it allows mm-hmm. me the access to those that cash, whereas I wouldn't have, you know, 500000 in the bank waiting to work on this project. Yeah. And the, and the banks are a little bit tighter than they used to be. So having those hard money relationships yeah. are really important, especially when you're looking to scale. So um, how did you, you know, people are like, okay, hard money sounds great, but where did you find it? How did you find it? Yeah. So it goes back to networking and getting to talk to people. So it was actually another agent in my office who had used him frequently. And mm-hmm. I said, Hey, you know, I'm looking at this project. It's a gut. So I can't get regular traditional financing on it. So do you know anybody that'd be looking for a project to fund if they've got some cash lying around? So because I had built this relationship with another agent in my office and we had become good friends over the couple of years and Mm -hmm. he knew that I owned rental properties and he knew I managed them and I've gone through and flipped a few properties in the past with, with other partners. He said, you know, you know, she's a great person. She did this, gave me a great referral. And then upon meeting with them, it was really that face-to-face interaction with the private lender that kind of solidified things. I brought him to the property, showed him through it and said, this is my plan. This is what I want to use. This is my budget. This is my contingency I have if we go over budget, just to be sure. And this is the time frame for it. He went back, he sat on it and he said, yep, yeah, we're good to lend. So yeah. it was a lot simpler than I thought it'd be to have someone send, give, literally hand you hundreds of thousands of dollars and say, yeah, here you go. Well, that's the main thing with with capital that some people don't understand. They, they're worried about their own personal finance position and people that are starting out maybe they're house hacking maybe it's even their first one it's mm-hmm. i've found it's about the house you know they're looking at they're putting their money in the house and they're just hoping that you don't kind of screw it up so yeah um, <laughs> but if you do they take the house so. oh and they're coming for the house they're going to come and yeah. take it and, and be ready for that too so just don't mess it up now um with the hard money I guess I, I, whether you want to say or not, but how much was your first hard money kind of raise? Because sometimes people get like 20 grand or 50 grand, but when you look at you're raising money for a gutted triplex or I guess a gutted yeah. fiveplex, you're going to be doing permits and structural beams and moving this wall and moving that door and cutting holes in the outside and stuff like that. So how much capital um, did you bring to the table for that hard money, that hard money loan? Yeah, so I brought um, about a hundred thousand of my own funds, and mm-hmm. I funded the three hundred and seventy thousand dollars for the rest. Right, so they went seventy uh, percent loan to value on it, yes. something like that, sixty percent loan to value. So that's great, and that's currently under construction. We actually just wrapped up the refi this week, so we okay, just wrapped so up the construction. The, uh, they're waiting yeah. for the paperwork. You're like, okay, let's see what yeah. let's see what they think it is. Are you confident? Are you optimistic? Are you nervous? I'm so excited. So basically going into this, we saw that this property after repair value would be roughly 575. You know, mm-hmm. it was purchased in November of last year. We got a 12 month on it. So we're just wrapping up. We're getting through the refinance. Appraisal just came back last week at 660. Okay. So what are you hoping to what are you hoping to bring back? And then I guess you're gonna roll it. You're gonna keep rolling it into yeah. the next thing, right? So What's the dollars and cents for the people who are thinking about maybe doing something like this and get them excited? What's the dollars and cents on the risk that you took on your vision of that uh, three three unit building? So basically each unit now can be rented out for roughly $2,200. So the rents here in Massachusetts are insanely high. 
And Section 8 tenants too are the ones that pay the most sometimes. And we are a Boston suburb and we're one of the cheapest cities still, but we're getting the train. So it's become a, a very attractive place to live, especially because we're waterfront. So they're doing a ton in the city and we have people constantly fluxating in and trying to find housing. So you're going to be taking in like over $6,000 a month for this property. We're actually going to keep it in our portfolio. But if we were to sell it on market, we could get seven and a quarter. So it was mm -hmm. kind of, do you want to make that like $300,000 profit? Or do you want to keep it in a portfolio with a ton of equity, take that equity rolled into buying a six unit? So actually, I think I have it behind me, but I had a six doors by 24 was kind of like a phrase I had for the goal of trying to get a six unit under contract before the end of the year. Yeah, well, they're out there. There's lots of opportunity in the United States for uh, properties like that. Now, you made a good point. It's like, do you sell it or do you let it ride? Do you keep your money in the game and leverage that equity? Because some people are like, they're really focused on dollars. But, you know, what was your main driving decision to keep it? Mostly because it'll pay for itself. And so from there, you know, statistically, real estate has gone up at least 4% annually, even if it mm -hmm. takes a small dip. We've seen, you know, staggering 14% increases the last couple of years. But at a traditional 4%, I'm always going to be building some equity. And it's a crazy amount that we have now. So if we have an opportunity to say jump on a six unit, we can kind of pull that capital out, put it into a six unit. And that's not necessarily money out of our pocket. Yeah, you don't have to sell it to get the money out. A lot of people think you have to sell it to release those funds. But if you've got that equity, you can roll it and still keep it. So for people listening mm -hmm. at home, you know, it's called creative financing for a reason. Let's get creative. <laughs> let's buy a bunch of properties. So let's talk about the future for a few minutes here. Where do you see, you had that six and uh, six and 24, right? You said, I want to get another unit or you want to add six doors um, by the end of this year, by the end of next year. We're hoping by the end of this year. So we've got our eye on a few totally six doable. Unit It is. So it's all about finding the deal, right? So Mm -hmm. When you get into those winter months and you get those tough tenants sometimes and you have a turnover and you're going into winter with a vacant unit, you're like, mm, maybe it's not a right time to keep this property. So that's why we're kind of thinking we could find something before the end of the year. And what you focus on is what you attract. So that's going to be our goal to get a six unit and then pretty much just keep scaling up from there. Eventually, if we have right now, we've got two, three families in our portfolio. Mm -hmm. So if it comes a time where it makes sense to kind of go all in on a 12 unit, we'll sell those three units and we'll do a 1031 exchange into that 12. Yeah. And so uh, the 1031 exchange is great for building portfolios. Um, by 24, 2024, you're going to probably have that thing. No doubt. It sounds like you're on your way to finding that, you know, just smash a bunch of offers out there, you know, hit every six unit and see who, who takes the cut on the discount that you need. But let's talk about, because you've been in, you've been in real estate now. How many years? I guess it's uh, coming up on four years. Yeah, as an investor, four years. Yeah. yeah. So let let's fast track it. Let's say uh, twenty thirty. What do you hope to be holding on to? How do you plan to get there? All right. So twenty thirty. I'm thinking we're talking large apartment complexes, hopefully out of state, because that's something mm -hmm. that we want to do. So right now we've been based in New England for over a decade. So we're hoping to, you know, kind of spread out a little bit further, not only for mm -hmm. ourselves, for our own personal growth, but we realize that New England is very expensive. So if our yeah. money can get us further in different states, 
whether it just be a syndication or something, getting into those larger apartment complexes and managing multiple doors. Obviously, we wouldn't be managing them, but <laughs> at certain points, like owning those yeah. doors would be a great opportunity. Okay, so that that's super exciting. I mean, I love to hear that you've got it planned out and you've got visions of the future and so far so good. I mean, there's going to be obstacles as, as someone who's been in since 2015, you know, you never know what the market will bring you. It's not called the real estate business. It's the real estate market. But yeah. uh, you're playing, you're playing your hands and you're being conservative. And I like that. And I think you're going to be very successful. So if people want to connect with Jessica Turner, how are they going to find you? Where should they go? Yeah. So my website is jessicaturnerrealtor.com. Super easy to find. Um, all my contact info is there. Feel free to text me. Um, if you have a call, you can give me a call, but I'm definitely on the go a lot. So I'm best reached through text as well. Yeah. Best, best to text me. We didn't really touch on that too much that you're a yeah. realtor, I guess. Um, are you still be, are you still active as a realtor or have you kind of just kept the license to use the access to poke around in the database as some realtors do? Yeah, no, I'm still active. Um, I usually just work on a referral basis, but it's been helpful to just kind of also build relationships with other realtors because this isn't a, it's my plate, like you can't have any. So it's very much a collaborational effort for everybody. So I'm friends with people in different brokerages. I go to networking events all the time. Some of my best friends own their own like companies and they, they're real estate agents as well. So it's kind of like, hey, do you have anything coming up? And when you know it's good to work with somebody, you'll be like, hey, Jess, you know, she works with Amaral Associates. I know that she's looking for a six unit. My seller is going to sell theirs. So they can be in a completely different brokerage, but they'll give me a call because they know that it's going to be an easy transaction or it's going to be simple. And I've got the buyer or I am the buyer. Yeah. They so. know Jessica can close. That's the big thing yes. in real estate. They know she can close. They're giving her a call. Well, time flies while we're having fun here. And uh, I really appreciated the the time here. And um, yeah, check out Jessica and, and watch her on the rise here. Watch 2030. She's going to be the owner of multiple uh, multiple apartments. So thanks for the call. And uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you.